Oh yeah, I was my uh, Mark, you know Mark Brown. He was talking to me about how he listened to the episode, and then he was listening along to the album at the same time, and um, and he had some enjoyment of that. Uh, he said he says the reason he he did that is because we described the band as like post rock, post hardcore, kind of like slint noise rock. Uh, and like he was like, "What does that mean? What does that sound like?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a hard band to pin down. It, it was, it absolutely was. So uh, we're having a little bit of discussion about that. He agrees with me about the uh, the uh, I guess it was the horns on the last track sound, uh, Middle Eastern. And I was like, "You have something? I don't know what it is." I'm... And he he showed me these Jewish horns uh, that kind of sound like it. Uh, okay, he, he so... thought he thought it kind of came from. Yeah, like uh, from Israel, Jerusalem. Okay. When you yeah. said Middle East, I always tend to think, you know, like Pakistan, Iran. Right. Uh, I said Arabian at first. I don't know why, but like that's kind of what it kind of felt. That was the word that came to me. Uh huh. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I still, I'll stick to that. Um, all right. Today is a little bit of a casual episode. We're just going to talk about a few albums that we uh, haven't quite. Covered in full form, didn't really have the time to cover in full form for whatever reason, or just decided some other albums a bit that we wanted to cover. Uh, so we wanted to give them a, their own little attention, this little uh, lightning round, I guess, uh, a little omnibus. We'll just talk lightly about a few albums that we listen to. Uh, there's albums here that I've only I listen to, and some albums here that only uh, Zach listened to that he'll talk about as well. And we'll kind of go back and forth and give a light breeze, uh, maybe recommendation or... Uh, avoidance of certain records kind of like a little catch up uh, as we go because obviously doing one episode a week we're not going to be able to cover every album that we want to cover uh, considering with all the music coming in and going into summer it's going to get even worse uh, so we'll probably have a few of these kind of episodes throughout the year as we want to catch up and uh, talk about a few albums that didn't quite get the uh, the limelight so um, is there an album you would like to start us off with? Uh, yeah, sure. I guess the big album that I want to talk about is the new Nick Horn Ellis record. What are they calling it? Uh, Carnage, I believe, is the name of the record. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah, it looks. Yeah, Carnage. And so, anyways, this is not Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. It's a Nick Cave Warren Ellis joint project. However, Warren Ellis has been part of the Bad Seeds, I think, since the beginning. Maybe, maybe not, but so who's I think, Warren Ellis? Uh, he's known as being one of the central figures of the Bad Seeds, which is okay. Nick Cave's backing band. However, the members have rotated throughout the years. How, um, but Warren Ellis is from Australia, the same as Nick Cave. I'm pretty sure the dudes knew each other since the beginning. And anyways, he's a trained violinist, so all the violin you hear on Nick Cave records uh, are Warren Ellis uh, is Warren Ellis's work, and they take a they they're almost foregrounded in the in the instrumentation on this new record, and ever since uh, ever ever since Skeleton Tree which was the album that was released two albums ago now. This is Nick Cave record. Uh, Nick Cave has been in a sort of... He was dealing with the death of his son, who died during the recording of that album. Okay. And so the, his sound really changed. It became quite... There was a very somber tone to it, and it was far more meditative. And certainly since um, Push the Sky Away, especially, his songwriting has become uh, far more cryptic, you could say, and okay. which I'm cool with. Like Tom York said, some, you know, the, my songs don't necessarily mean anything, but I just think the words sound nice. Okay, okay. And, and I can appreciate that, you know, the cadence of the words is just, uh, he just likes the musicality of how it sounds. As a as a rap fan, that's kind of the whole thing for me. Like sometimes, you know, I'm listening to rap, and not necessarily am I uh, digesting the lyrics. It's a lot more about how it sounds and like how they're using certain words to flow into other words with similar sounds. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of along that kind of that kind of ideology, but with a within a different genre. Yeah, yeah, just the, that perspective um, to songwriting. However, on this record. 
Nick Cave is shifting gears in his vocal performance and getting away from the somber meditative quality that has pervaded the last two of his records and on this joint project is going back to more of a late 80s, early 90s, like Tender Prey, Murder Ballads style Nick Cave vocal performance on some of these tracks. Right. White he's Elephant. A, he's a not spoken word, I would say, but he's more booming kind of narrative uh, vocal performance, at least on the song I heard. Yeah, so you listen to White Elephant, right? Yes. Yeah, and uh, I've seen in some comment sections online that a lot of people are really enjoying that song. And the f- and that song is like a two-parter. Mm-hmm. And the first part is very much more spoken and it is a lot more aggressive. And in the second half, it shifts to more... He, he begins singing more. And there is some background vocals and the instrumentation... instrumentation changes and just the whole tone of the song changes becomes almost heavenly in a way and uh reminds me of i'm sure you're familiar with the harry potter movies yeah yeah in the in the deathly hollows part one i think uh there's a nick cave song that features in that movie uh oh children Mm -hmm. and it has these background vocals and nick cave is singing with these background vocals and it's very uh, it's almost sentimental. And anyways, uh, on White Elephant, that second part really reminds me of uh, of that track, which comes from the album Liar of Orpheus, I believe. Okay. And so, so you're, you're a pretty big like uh, Nick Cave fan, aren't you? I'm pretty familiar with his work, yeah. I've been listening to his music, yeah, for at least a decade now, probably. Right, right. I've always found you to be. You made me listen to... Um... Uh, it was like a breakup album. What was the name of it? Boatman's Call. Boatman's Call. Boatman's Call. I really enjoyed that album. Uh, uh, so I like. I've been a fa- uh, kind of a like a tertiary fan, just kind of like on looking at Nick Cave and enjoying his music here and there. But I haven't really delved into uh, a lot of his work. Uh, would this be like a good album for me to like listen to, or would you point me to some I more think- of his other work? I think honestly, especially based on your preferences, on you on your musical preferences, you like really loud music. His earlier stuff is would be a good in- entry point for you. It's far mm-hmm. it's yeah, very hardcore punk-ish. No way. Yeah, wasn't the the birthday was it the birthday party was his uh like noise rock band that he had? Yeah, that was the original band. They were like a noise rock uh yeah post-punk noise rock band yeah yeah i've been been interested to go and give that that a listen but i haven't uh i have the time for it yeah i think that album or murder ballads you'd like murder ballads it's not so punkish it's more folkish but uh, very aggressive but then again it's very he's known for his lyricism too right and his vocal performances so yeah, a very di- very different record from what he did like five years later with A Boatman's Call. Yes, I th- yeah. Anyway, I've heard a little bit of Murder Ballads. I've heard a little bit of that. Okay, yeah, and uh, yeah, the very murder um, Murder Ballads esque vocals on this on this record, at least in the first half. The, I think the second half gets uh, is a it's certainly weaker than the than the first half um the first half really has some i like the the instrumentation they're using the i'm not sure how what how they're generating the uh the ba- uh, the um, the beat but i think they're using a the soundboard or something and then Warren Ellis is putting down some great chords with the violin and it's just a good combination it's a, a blend of the old and the new, you know? And that's very much how I would describe this album, as a blend of old and new. Okay. Um, so I guess you're recommending it. You want people to check it out? Yeah, de- definitely worth checking out, for sure. Okay. I'm going to transition off of your Australian artist into another Australian artist. Uh, Psychedelic Porn Crumpets was an album I listened to. Uh, the, the album's called The Sunlight Mound. Uh, this is a psych record, 
as you can tell probably by the name, uh, into that metal pocket. They're coming out of Australia. You you probably know that uh, Tropical Fuckstorm and uh, King Gizzard also that uh, that scene. And I think those are two very interesting contemporaries because uh, I think they're a little bit of column A or column B uh, of those two bands. Uh, in fact, they're, they're maybe a little too derivative of King Gizzard um, mm-hmm. in some parts because uh, I think they do have a lot of similar ideas and infrastructures of songs. Uh, but they're very interesting and they're very talented. I looked at, I, I checked out some of this record. I didn't listen to it all, but um, they're talented musicians. Like the, some of the guitar licks are really catchy and uh, th- there's a lot going on. It's, there's really dense music. Right. I think it's a very fuzzy and bright rock music with that kind of like psychedelic flair. I didn't go through this album obviously with a, a fine tone, uh, with a, like a comb or whatever, but uh, I really enjoyed what I was hearing. Um, I enjoyed kind of like the noisiness and like the density of it. Uh, I also read the little fun fact, and I hope this is true, but I think this is going to be more of a tall tale. But apparently uh, all these guys met through their mutual drug dealer. Uh, so I think, that's <laughs> a, I think that's a cute story. I don't know if it's true or not, but I'll pretend it is for, uh, for going forward. Uh, so I thought that was cute. Um, it's it almost made, I almost suggested for a last <laughs> review, but uh it was a kind of new, old country kind of stole stole the show, and I kind of need to talk about that. Um, but they're good; they're very very solid. A little King Gizzard uh, adjacent or derivative, a little bit. Uh, but if you like that, if you like that kind of like psychedelic rock atmosphere, these guys are great. I don't think there's a reason why you dislike them. Uh, they got a lot of good ideas, also, a lot of creative ideas. Um, yeah, I find the album cover really reflects the sound of their music and it's a really dope psychedelic esque album cover. Yes it is. It's like very bright. Um uh, I would say the the track to try out is probably Tally Ho. The second track on the album. Give that one like kind of like your initial list. Uh I think that you'll get an idea. Um I didn't want to say too much about the album, but I definitely recommend it. I'm not gonna give any grades to any of these albums or anything like that. I didn't give no. them a a former listen through to the point where I would be comfortable in doing that. But I think uh, this is definitely an album I don't think should be missed. And uh, I think it's pretty interesting album. I think uh, a lot of people would definitely enjoy it. Whoever's in that like metal genre, that indie kind of ro- rock psychedelic kind of pocket and pretty good. Yeah. And I never listened to it front to back. I just let listens put it on in preparation of the, for this podcast. Because you said you were going to bring it up. And uh, I got about maybe halfway through, I guess. Mm -hmm. And the first half of the record really caught my attention. But then after a while, it seemed like... uh, It it wasn't formulaic, but uh, the songs weren't so exciting or something. They really... really, The album starts off really energetic. And there's some really catchy uh, guitar riffs. And I just... I wasn't picking that up as much in the in the yeah i didn't like give it a full like super intensive listen it was kind of a light breezy listens a few times uh the beginning you're right the beginning of the album was really really good i really enjoyed like the energy coming out of it it does kind of like weighing on a little bit there's like a lot of tracks on this album if i double check right now i mean beefy i think 14 yeah it's only like uh 40 minutes right and there's 14 songs um so they kind of like skim between songs pretty quickly. Um, so I, I, it's easy to like get a little lost in there. I think um, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's still good. It's still a lot of good ideas on it. Uh, it's not a perfect record. It's not like a 10 or 10 or nothing, but I think it's a, they're doing what they're doing. is pretty good. Uh, I think it's uh, catchy. A lot of it. A little, little, if you're into like King Gizzard uh, and you want a little bit, something in that, in that pocket, I think you're, you'll enjoy it. It's not too derivative where, you know, they're not unique or they don't have their own sound. It's just a little bit of comparison, I think, comes up. Um, yeah, what's another album you were looking uh, looking at? Yeah, so I guess it would make sense to maybe bridge over to a big album coming out of the UK this week. They reached number one in the UK post-rock outfit Mogwai or Mogwai. I'm not Mogwai. sure. Maybe. Magwai, okay. Yeah, yeah I, I believe it's probably named after the uh, Gremlins. Uh, uh-huh, okay. 
Okay, uh, the album's called As the Love Continues. And uh, it's a bit of a beast of a record, coming in at just in over an hour, 11 tracks. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to give it a shout out because it's cool to see an album that's not part of the mainstream, that's part of a genre that isn't part of the mainstream, post-rock, reach number one in yeah, a country. Yeah, and uh, I gave the album a listen, and I don't think they're um, necessarily breaking any new frontiers in the genre, but they're simply perfecting the form. And okay. if, you, if you're in the mood for some longer musical tracks, there's not many vocals laid down on a lot of these tracks. Something a little bit Krautrock-ish. Um, yeah, I think the album could, could appeal to you. If you uh, could you describe crate rock to people? Uh, kraut rock. It's uh, essentially a form of rock music that originated in the late '60s, early '70s, uh, West Germany, and it's a form of progressive rock music that doesn't have uh, any vocals normally, and is. It is the type of music that has incremental changes as the as the song progresses, and the songs are typically longer, and they have this sort of climactic build throughout the song, using uh, these incremental changes. Yeah, I totally asked that for the audience, and not because I was totally confused about that myself. I also just wanted to mention the album cover for this band or for this uh, for this record is sick it's a picture of a wolf and then they've done some interesting i don't know digital animation it's uh, all kinds of red and black and it just looks like a mean album cover certainly something if you really like buying records for the album art i would recommend the art on this record for sure uh could you remind me that as the love continues is that the name of the album that's the name of the record, yeah. Okay, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, that's pretty I like that. That's very okay, that's interesting. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. It does, I agree with you. That's good, awesome art. Um the next one I kinda wanna talk about, we're gonna transition again and with the British band as well. Uh Django Django. Uh they're a rock art rock outfit, psychedelia as well. Uh kind of like the indie psychedelic kind of rock style. Different from the last uh from psychedelic porn grumpets, which is more in that metal genre. Uh, this is definitely in that more indie rock uh, uh, definition of it. Um, I'm personally a fan of psychedelia. I enjoy. I kind of like enjoy that pocket of music. Uh, I hear a lot of creative and interesting musical ideas on this album. Uh, all the mem members met at an art college, uh, so you know, you know, it's going to be a little wacky, a little weird, and a little interesting. I think uh, they have a good knack for like some catchy chorus work. Um, the album, uh, the band's composed of guitars, bass, synthesizer, and drums. So those are the kind of the pocket of sounds you're going to be hearing, but like uniquely built upon, I think. Um, the song that initially caught me with this one, because I, what I do before picking an album or suggesting albums, I'll usually go through and I'll listen to the first track on the album of a bunch of albums that come out. And the first track in this album was called Spirals. Uh, and I really enjoyed that one. Uh, Maybe because I've been <laughs> reading some Junji Ito work, uh, which spirals are a big uh, motif in some of his work. Uh, You've but been I mean, reading what? Uh, Junji Ito. Um, okay. It's, Junji. Uh, he's, a, he's a horror manga. Uh, uh, manga. Yeah, and uh, he's done some pretty famous, uh, pretty famous ones. You might have might have seen uh, from the side on, but like um, one of the, one of his stories is about. Uh, there's this mountain and suddenly there's like this earthquake and it kind of shifts the rock and uh, they, suddenly you can see there's a bunch of like human shaped holes in the wall and uh, but okay. and they all perfectly fit one person right so there's a, there's a hole in the wall for you right okay. so that's, uh, that's pretty uh, yeah that's a scary imagination <laughs> and so the whole story is about this uh, is a bit compulsion, right? And so people would find their hole and like how perfectly and snugly it would fit them, right? 
and they would be compelled and like drawn to like enter their hole and then you'd get a bunch of people entering their, their holes in the mountain and then they just disappear and they just slide yeah. further into the mountain and it's this whole okay. horror image that eventually ends up on the back side you can there's the other side of the, of the mountain is like cracks in the wall uh-huh. uh, and people are are misshapen and and being pushed out through the other side and it's like this interesting body horror uh, but anyway, that's I was reading. I've been reading a bunch of that, and there's a one on spirals that got my attention. So uh, I found that very interesting with the song. It's built very in circular motions. A lot of the song is, and uh, builds up that that spiral motif. Uh, it's uh, so yeah, a lot of circular builds on the song. Uh, a lot of the good chorus work. Uh, it's a little um, erratic, not erratic. Uh, you remember the Everything Everything album. They have kind of a similar vocal style, but like way more toned down, so less mm-hmm. uh, less eccentric is the word I'm looking for. Further in the track list, there's another song called "Got Me Worried," which I really liked. Um, it's a super catchy song, really infectious. Uh, they also do a verse in Portuguese, which caught me out by surprise. But like, it comes in and it's just so smooth. This transition to this uh, Portuguese verse, and it's still catchy and dancey in this like rock kind of way. Happy. Uh, I really impressed with some they, of the songs there. Do you know why they include? Do you know why they included a verse in Portuguese? Portuguese, just out of curiosity. Like, is one of the members Brazilian? No. I, I could only the- imagine someone like lead singer sings it pretty like uh, spot on. I would imagine lead singer must have some sort of a descent there. I didn't. I looked up a little bit of Django Django, um, just kind of get an idea, but there was not a lot of information there, honestly. Uh, just that huh. the lead singer has some famous relatives in terms of a uh, uh, movie and sculptors and artists in his family, which I uh-huh. thought was nice and all, but irrelevant. There wasn't a lot of information I could find on these guys when I was looking them up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're into that art rock and, and psych and stuff like that, um, I really liked it. I thought it was worth uh, checking into. Yeah, for people who are a little bit familiar with French music. The daughter of famous French musician Serge Gainsbourg, Charlotte Gainsbourg, has a lyrical feature or a vocal feature on this record also on the track Waking Up. And I've gone to listen to this album several times because you mentioned it to me earlier mentioned it to me earlier in the week. However, I just keep on going back to this song and listening to this one <laughs> over and over. Yes, this is good because I, I, Charlotte Gainsbourg has a great voice. She's done a cover of um, Jimi Hendrix, Hey You, mm-hmm. and I, I like it just as much as Jimmy's, honestly. She does her own thing with it, but she has just has a great voice. And uh, yeah, so if you're going to check out one track on the record, I'd I'd go ahead with Waking Up. Yeah, there's a. I think it's a good one. Um, I think I might have skipped the name of the album. The album's called Glowing in the Dark by Django mm-hmm. Django, like the movie. I think it's a good one to check out. It's one of the my higher-end tiered albums I think you should definitely check into. Uh, again, that psychedelic indie psych, kind of psychedelia genre. Pretty nice. Uh, nice uh, groovy stuff. Yeah, psychedelic rock's sort of making a bit of a comeback here lately, yeah? Yeah, I haven't heard it. I've been listening very much, but these two albums kind of like popped up on my radar, and I was like, okay, I'm feeling this. Uh, I have obviously haven't given them like the, the super review, uh, uh, attentive listens, but through some casual listens and stuff, I was re- definitely listening, uh, enjoying these and having a little bop uh, clean up to them. But yeah, even like uh, you, you mentioned earlier, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, um, mm-hmm. and also Tropical Fuckstorm. So, you, they're certainly influenced by early psychedelic music, early psychedelic rock. Absolutely. So yeah, there's definitely, you know, kind of breeds into the stupid conversation that people have, but new music just not being the same or something. I was like, no, it's all out there. There's so much like great music out there. That's taking inspiration from all this music that you're, you know, highlighting, but, um, man, it's really good. And I think this is, is definitely something people fans of those, that classic psychedelia or in psychedelic rock that, permeated uh, probably their youth would enjoy yeah well when i was 15 years old uh, my dream in life was to grow up and become jim morrison <laughs> I, I remember that. To write, 
Yeah, I had a Jim Morrison phase. I wanted to grow my hair long, stop showering, and wear leather pants, and you know, <laughs> I remember that very vividly, you. actually. Your rock star, essentially. But I mean, what fifteen-year-old doesn't want to do that, anyways? Uh, I think my favorite—I uh, don't remember what the the context was—but you came in and you read uh, a poem by Jim Morrison. Um, I don't remember what the context was and why you did this. It was the the it's, Lizard King, I thought. Uh, it's possible. I used to listen to that when I was stoned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one. It's a good one. I listened to it. I think you put me onto it. Uh, you definitely put me onto the Doors in general. Uh, I yeah, super like them. The the those first two records they put out, they still hold up today, man. Yeah, my favorite is Strange Days. That's my favorite uh, Doors Doors record. I actually yeah. have it on vinyl. Okay, yeah, you have that on. That's a gr- that's a great record. There's mm-hmm. a song on that record I really like called. Um, unhappy girl okay yeah Do you, i'm not sure if maybe it rings a bell it, oh. it, it, i it kind of does but i don't quite remember it's not one of the songs that uh uh it stands out to me but like i haven't listened yeah, to that it's a, in a while now yeah sometimes when i get drunk i'll put it on it's definitely worth going back to listen to i also remember liking sop parade a lot Just mainly sop because parade. of the song sop parade yeah the that that song's really good that's one of his best lyrical uh yeah, that's one of his best lyrics, in my opinion, is the soft soft parade. It's very celebration of the Lizard King esque. Mm-hmm. You cannot. What was it? You cannot. What does he sing? What does he chant? Uh, you cannot. I gotta look this up now. Hold on. Hold on a second. I'll think of it. Um, you cannot. Oh God! I have to remember this. <laughs> Uh, something about whipping the horse's eyes. He he talks about whipping horse's eyes in the several songs. Actually, if you if you've ever listened, like there's a whole oh, just a song called Horse Lashes. I'll find it here now. Do you horse want me to tell you? Yeah. Something you cannot with prayer. Yeah, I got. It. Yeah, you're right. Okay, you cannot petition the Lord with prayer. With prayer, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah, I love that song. But you have to say it in like uh, Jim Morrison's soaring, <laughs> soaring. Voice. Yeah, he's like a he's like a preacher when he when he yells it out. Yeah. A, well, the fellow. he put out an album of poetry called American Prayer. So yeah, I've listened to that one. Yeah, it's a good. One. Okay. I've actually never listened to it. Really, it's good. It is like a, yeah. a poetry one. Horse Longing Twos, I think, is on that. I think or Horse Lashes. He Horse Lashes. That one's on there, if I remember. Um, but yeah, what's the what was the next album that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, so uh, this band, Cabaret Voltaire, they are essentially legends in the techno world. They started out super early in the 70s and experimented, got in early with electronic music and experimented with all, with all sorts of different facets of the genre just testing the boundaries of it really setting the conventions and anyways in the 80s they became really well known for their industrial spin on techno and certainly influenced you know artists like trent reznor and um god what's that other man i cannot remember now ministry uh, Ministry, yeah, there's another one. The album's called Street Cleaner. I can't remember the name of the band. Okay, yes. They also would have been a big influence on the band Godflesh, who were very heavy, industrial. It's like, uh, think of early Nine Inch Nails, only only heavier, like meaner. Yeah. Like broken Nine Inch Nails, that like that the broken. Yeah, super, super early. I, I, what's the first record by Nine Nine Inch Nails you would know? Oh, jeez, do I? Uh, the Pretty Hate Machine. Thank you. Pretty Hate Machine. Yeah, the one that came out in the eighties. Yeah, yeah, Pretty um, Hate Machine. Yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah. So these guys have been around forever, and the original band has broken up. However, one of the original founding members of the band has since revived the name anyways and has put out a record last year and that record is called shadow of 
fear and it's essentially a summation of all the different aesthetics of the band the different voice they incorporate a lot of uh, voice sampling the industrial sound like i said techno and anyways they released an ep uh just uh, a couple days ago called shadow of funk and the the album cover is actually the same album cover of shadow of fear only different colors and so i think it's just maybe some some pieces that didn't really seem like they quite fit on the original record on the on the earlier record and so we released them as an ep and certainly the tracks are 12 minutes 10 minutes and five minutes but uh a great insight into one of the more discordant voices in the techno scene that really helped establish the genre, the conventions of that genre of some no, no wave influences and industrial, uh, industrial and, uh, body, uh, body core music. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's just so, EP uh, you're saying. How long is this? Yeah, it's just an EP. It's a, it's 28, 28 minutes. But uh, okay. you can sort of view it as like a companion, an entry point into the record that was released last year, Shadow of Fear, which is a full-length release. Okay, kind of, kind of like maybe like uh, some bonus tracks. Yeah, I'm thinking it was just the the tracks are a little bit the the two main tracks are a bit longer, and so I think maybe he didn't want the he didn't want the the LP to sort of balloon in size. And so he said, Oh, you know, I'll just uh, make an EP and release it later on uh, next year. The next thing I was going to talk about is, uh, this, uh, gent metal core alt metal outfit named Loath. Uh, and the reason I wanted to talk about them, these metal heads is because they released an ambient instrumental record, uh, <laughs> completely outside of their genre. Um, but I haven't, and look, I've never heard of Loath before this. I don't know what their fans thought when they dropped this. I don't know, uh, like, if just people just dismissed it or didn't listen to it, or if they're huge fans of this. But I really enjoyed this ambient record. Um, it's it's hard to talk about ambient music and describe ambient when music, you, the nature of it. Oh, Go ahead. Yeah. I was I was just about to ask you to to describe what you mean when you say ambient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just like there's a lot of uh, sprawling soundscapes and textures and some strings and uh, a real intimate understanding of how to build a song and creating narratives within music. I find, or at least uh, motivating these kind of narrative structures with the soundscape of music. Uh, it's the kind of music that you would listen to. Definitely in the background, soothing and just kind of like taking up space in in the in you know your listening or your activities. Um, it's very uh, a niche, I think. I don't know if everyone's into ambient music, but if you are into ambient music, someone like Brian Eno's work and stuff like that, uh, I definitely suggest this. It's definitely a left turn for the band, but there's a lot of really good compositional work going on here that uh, I was a fan of. That kind of intrigues me to go backwards and listen to what their actual metal uh, style music is like because uh, i can only imagine i listened to like 20 seconds of one song i was like this is nothing this is completely different but i, I can only like imagine band. yeah completely different band it's like completely different band. it's like a side project almost but super mm-hmm. good uh, i guess the the idea was uh, on in the pandemic era you know not being able to go play like shows and be that rambunctious and rowdy kind of music style that they've kind of taken with the times and kind of wrote this more ambient piece and being more topical. And I, I, I like, I, I'm super impressed with them to create a record underneath their, uh, in their namesake that is so different than what they've done up to this point. And nothing's diff- more different than going from, your metalcore to ambient. So uh, I was really impressed with it. Uh, I thought it was really good. It's hard to like, it didn't get brought up as an album to straight review because I think ambient music is difficult to explain. But I think it's an interesting album, uh, interesting uh, uh, 
surrounding story to it uh, that if you're into that, like more mood music, it's very, it's kind of like a heavy ambient. If that, if that makes sense. Uh, there's a lot of like, definitely like density to it. Uh, and I think it's mm-hmm. really a nice, interesting listen that you can put on the background, maybe as you're going to sleep or anything like that, however you would use your ambient music. Yeah. I mean, I know, I have listened to a far more ambient music this year than I, or this past in this pandemic year, uh, than I do in in just yeah normal year. Especially, I can remember when the pandemic first broke out. Trent Reznor released an ambient style record, and I listened to that a lot. Two. Yeah, he released two. That's right. Yeah, uh, I I like the first one better. But uh, I listened to them both, but I, I always went back to the first one. Yeah, I was a big fan of those as well. Again, I'm a fan of ambient music, so uh, I'm a huge fan when Trent decides to go into that pocket. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Um, you have another... In, uh, by the way, what's the name of that record? The name of the album by Loathe is The Things They Believe. The Things I- They Believe. Right. And and before this, they released an album, apparently when I was doing my research, that got a lot of like praise. And when it came out uh, was I let them in and they took everything. Uh, And they even have like an instrumental version of it. So I think I might go back. That's 2020 that came out. So I might myself go back and listen to the album because when doing a little bit of research for this, uh, a lot of people were uh, putting that album quite, quite highly. Okay, really? Well, yeah, they sound like a curious band. I'm always interested in people who are constantly progressing their music, you know? They never ever settle, become comfortable. Not that I don't mind, uh, not that I don't enjoy people who really perfect their genre or their form, their style, but there's something I just uh, it always piques my curiosity when a band is in a constant state of evolution. Exactly. Um, you didn't have anything else you wanted to uh, recommend, did well, you? Uh, there is another I- album that I wanted to talk about, yes. Well, I want to talk about that record, too, because I listened to some of this prior to the podcast, and it brings up an old debate that we've had amongst ourselves and with friends that I want to get into here on the podcast. So why don't you okay. go ahead and introduce okay. the band? I'm going to lose a lot of you on this, on this album. I, I, I get that. I understand that uh, this is the neat, most niche of niche musical genres. Uh, uh, this band gets like 600 listeners a month, right? So like it, it curtail your expectations a little bit, but this is a noise, uh, a noise rock, but heavy emphasis on noise uh, band and outfit called White Suns. And the album's called The Lower Way. And I think the argument that you were talking about is, is noise music? Uh, is that, am I right with that? Well, it, or more generally, y- yes, you're right. But more generally, the debate of what constitutes music. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, a, right? I'm as liberal as you can be with this, with this question. I think uh, a lot of things are music. A lot of things that some people would t- say isn't uh, i would say is um i'm well, very uh, liberal and open with the my interpretation of music well here's the thing this is what this album reminded me of okay. it reminded it it sounds to me to be more like an art installation like you would see in some museum that specializes in avant-garde pieces mm-hmm. Then it does a piece of music. Okay. For instance, let me draw a comparison to film. When people go to see a movie, they expect there to be at least some sort of plot, like some sort of narrative. There's Uh projected images, and those images, when put together, tell some sort of cohesive story, no Uh matter how how grand or how thin. However, Uh once you take this, once you take away the story. Then you still have the projected images on the on the screen, mm-hmm. but is it but is it still a movie, or does it become right. something else? It becomes it, is, it becomes far more abstract, right? To to kind of further your your example here, um, 
music is to like a movie or however you want to say pop music, the blockbuster or whatever genre movie and noise music is the, uh, is like, <laughs> is like the, um, the squiggly lines that goes up and down in your windows media player that you used to watch when you were a kid. <laughs> Those uh-huh. are the two differences. Um, or just like looking at a complete, like, like a, a fuzzy white screen, uh, the white noise screen, but every now and then you can kind of see the image behind it. Uh-huh. Uh, that's kind of the difference kind of here. And, and I would, I, I loosely to say, is there a story? No, but I would say it's still engaging to look at. Uh, and catch. Is there a melody in noise music? No, uh, not really. Sometimes depends on the artist that you're you're kind of referring to, but they do create soundscapes. Uh, I would I would compare them mostly to ambient music, uh, noise music. It's like a little more shrill, a little more abrasive. Um, definitely, in kind of like puts me in the mind of like horror ambient. Uh, it's kind of how I describe it to people. Well- well, this this album in particular is it, it has almost a horror element to it, and it's very loud. It's very mm, atmospheric, dreadful at times, mm-hmm. you could say. And to your point, yeah, is there really any melody on the record? It, it seems to me like sometimes they almost do it, and then they, and then they take it away. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you eschew melody and rhythm completely, take it away, then it's it becomes difficult for me to say, okay, so what is the sort of musical foundation on which these sounds rest on? You know, uh, I would say they rest mostly on an emotional palette. It'll be an emotional palette. I mean, many things have an emotional palette. That doesn't sure. necessarily mean it's music, you know? So sure. I don't know if you can say that's like a fundamental component of what constitutes music. And this is very much a record of sound, at least, that is trying to convey very strongly a sense of atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And it is sure. very atmospheric. Um, but yeah. take for example field recordings. Do field recordings consist of music? Maybe if there's chirping birds in the background, sure. Sure. Yeah, you kind of you get. You, it's kind of like would you consider listening to a bustling cityscape uh, as you go to sleep, uh, listening to music, right? Is uh-huh. that the case? You probably wouldn't call it music. Um, but I would I would argue that uh, anything in that realm of that audio art that like kind of art and like experiences that you are to be meant to be digested and uh, are composed uh, distinctly for you to digest through your ears is anything is what I would call music. If it is like an art piece or a uh, soundscape or a something uh, like an ambient piece or anything like that. And it's made and designed specifically for someone to listen to and digest through their ears. And I would call music. Now, if you want to describe it with melody and rhythm and, you know, tunes and stuff like that, and that's how you want to describe music. I can't argue because that stuff is limited in noise music, though, not always completely absent. Um, but I, I couldn't argue that. But in the way I describe music is it's an art form that is directly, directed specifically for your ears. And that's how I choose to digest and talk about it. And so that's usually why I put noise music in that category as noise music. Uh, but I can see why people would disagree. To me, it's kind of like outsider art. Um, uh-huh. Uh, there's, cer- there's certainly the outsider at the party. And I'm just playing devil's advocate. I haven't personally really made up my mind on the question, what constitutes music. Did, I did you thought. enjoy this? You know, it's it's pretty 
like I'm a I'm, I'm a metal fan, and these guys are really loud. It's, um, it's like I said earlier, the best way I would describe it is dreadful. It's got horror elements to it. Uh, it's certain, and I like atmospheric music. We mentioned earlier how we both enjoy ambient music, though this certainly is not ambient. It's noise. But I can't say I disliked it. It's just one of the... I've only listened to it one time. I'd have to listen to it again to really wrap my mind around it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's certainly... It's a, it is an object of curiosity. Right. Um, something I like with this band is like some noise artists like Mersbo and stuff like that will... Um, they will use a lot of sharp noises, a lot of shrill, like nails on chalkboard noises that are really difficult to listen to and like impose like headaches on me. I can't listen to that kind of mm-hmm. noise music. I think I'm more into the white static kind of stuff or more the uh, clanging of metal and, and, and like someone's just taking a hammer to like a steel beam and stuff like that. That's the kind of like the noise that I kind of appeal to me more. And you'll this see record, that. On this yeah. Yeah, for sure. See more of that on this one. Um, yeah. This- yeah, this the static and the distortion and um, yeah, the the clanging, everything you just said is pretty spot on. So, if for those who, because I I'm pleading people to listen to this album, honestly, I'm pleading to you to listen to this. Uh, I love this album. Um, I would suggest <laughs> sitting down and and just like laying down and closing. If we're the more experimental of you, who are interested in something different or to challenge your tastes a little bit, sit down, put this on like you would an ambient record, have it in the background, just close your eyes and just kind of let the soundscape and the music kind of direct your thoughts and just kind of, you know, if you're a more gothic person or a person who's into that kind of like horror stuff or just kind of like a more macabre uh, tones and stuff, I think you'll enjoy a lot of this and you'll find some, uh, stuff to get into. There are drums here. There is this noise rock. So usually a noise rock would have like kind of uh, you know a strong foundation of noise in their music, but mostly it will be a rock song. And this is the vice versa. Is I think there's a lot of noise with a good foundation of rock into the music. So there's a lot of these sinister drums that you'll hear on here taking up uh, some space. There's noise rock yelling. Uh, the drums are really spaced too. Uh, everything has its own space until it kind of builds like a song would into this cacophonous mass of noise near the end of a song. And, and you'll hear these stressed vocals screeching it over. It, it, it's really a dark and sinister place that this, this album will take you to. Uh, and I loved it. Um, you know, whatever that says about me as a person, I don't know, but I loved it. Well, um, just to follow up on what you were saying about how they only have, what did you say, 800 listeners a month? Yeah, I'm looking here. 925 monthly listeners on okay. on Spotify. You know, there's also other platforms. But I think as consumers of music, sometimes we can... We celebrate artists or only start to pay attention to them once they've established themselves. And you, we should do a better job, I think, at paying attention to people when they're on the come out up, when they're first starting out, and you know, get out there, try to support the the smaller artists. I don't even want to call them smarter, but just the less well-known artists, the ones who are just starting out. And on that note, I'd like to make a shout out to a German singer. Um, her name is Magdalena Ganter, and she just released an album a few days ago called Neo Noir. And I know, especially amongst the English-speaking world, some people consider German to be a harsh-sounding language. However, she has a beautiful voice. She puts down some beautiful vocal melodies on this record. A song like Bin Nicht or Zu Hause very accessible songs because they're not so lyrical lyric heavy and she just lays down some beautiful vocal melodies 
and uh, this is her first release, and it would be nice if some people can go over, just give her some support, and uh, be treated to some beautiful vocals in the process. Yes, absolutely. I agree 100%. And uh, on that note, too, I also want to make a shout-out to an old friend of mine who I lived with back in my Amsterdam days. His name is Aaron Hockett from Limerick. Ireland, and he's uh, in the process of putting out an EP, and anyways, he just released a song leading up to the release of his EP called Habitat, and so if you guys could go over, give his song a listen, he's on Spotify, he's on uh, iTunes, probably Apple Music, definitely on SoundCloud, wherever you're streaming music, you can find Iron Hockett. Habitat's the song. Give the guy a listen. It's a good tune. He's uh, very influenced by Frank Ocean, big Lana Del Rey fan, who also has a new album coming out next month that probably we'll have to deal with on the podcast. Uh, I say <laughs> deal with, uh, you know, give the treatment to. And, uh, yeah, go over, give give Arn a, a listen. I'd appreciate it. I'm sure he would too. And it's some good music. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that, is there any like uh, albums that are coming up over the horizon that you are looking forward to? So we're decided that next week we're going to cover cloud. Nothing's new release. Mm-hmm. We've got Juju at the end of the month and is Lana Del Rey releasing her record this month too. I, bl- I think. Well, I'm looking at right now. Uh, Lana Del Rey, "Chemtrails Over the Country Club" uh, comes out the 19th of next month. Next month being March. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so we'll probably be covering that. And is there anybody? I I lo- I've looked recently, but there's a there's a Benny the Butcher album, uh, "The Plugs I Met 2, which sounds really interesting because I really loved the first one, uh, the EP that Benny released, uh, "The Plugs I Met." Uh, I made you listen to it. I don't know. No, you weren't really into the gangster vibe, but I no, like no gangster rap, not into that anymore. Yeah, but for those who are, uh, that's something to look out for. I'm sure most uh, people who are into that music uh, have already got their eyes on Benny and the the whole Griselda gang. Uh, I too am uh, excited for that one. That's next next the uh, uh, next month. Brock Hampton has a new album coming out next month. That could be interesting. Uh, Conor May also has another one coming out. There's a Drake album. That's very interesting. I don't know if we'll cover that, but there's Drake album by apparently. Travis Scott has something. Um, yeah, there's a few things that come interesting. We, we might not cover all those on their main episodes, but you might expect us in a, a format like this coming by to talk a, bit, a little bit about uh, some stuff from column A and column B. Yeah, I don't know if I'll be if I'll be listening to the new Drake. <laughs> But I don't understand. Like, the, I listened the last album of his I listened to was the mixtape one, the one that had uh, passion fruit on it. And I can remember I was on the treadmill at the gym and I was like, okay, I'm going to try out this new Drake record while I'm at the gym doing cardio. So, sort uh, of stereotypical Canadian guy. And. I listened to the song Passion Fruit. I started bursting out laughing in the gym. I had to I had to switch the record. It was just it was too, <laughs> too embarrassing to listen to. And then anyways, it turns out that was the big hit off that record and everyone else loved it. <laughs> I, I, I I listened to like a, a cover of that song too and I really liked by uh the Korean American uh producer that I liked. I can't forget her name right now. Okay, yeah. Anyways, yeah, passion fruit. So uh, that was my last foray into Drake, and I don't have any desire to be returning anytime soon. But um, to Uh I'm a little more defensive of Drake because he released, uh, if you're reading this, it's too late, which is an album from four or five years ago uh, that he released, kind of a little out of nowhere, kind of like this lightly pr- like uh, promoted album, but. It just for some reason was just full of bangers and like a lot of really good songs and a lot of like good writing and interesting production that you wouldn't expect from Drake or, you know, I wouldn't. 
Like less less mainstream. Give me another. Yeah, it was a little, little. It still had trap beats and stuff on it, but it was a little less mainstream. I don't know. Uh, running through the six with my woes. I believe that was popular, and that was on that album. Um, okay. Oh, wow. You don't like the, the term six, but whatever. Um, well, no, it's not that. It's just you know, some people think of Toronto like it's the center of the universe, and I see. The I whole see. six mentality feeds into that a little bit, I think, and uh, it just it turns my stomach. <laughs> well, I always have faith that Drake can release a product, uh, project like that that I'll be interested in. But uh, I'll wait till uh, I'll wait till people tell me it comes out. I won't be uh, waiting with bated breath or anything. No, no. Uh, I also just it just came to mind. I don't know why I'm thinking of this <laughs> while we're talking about Drake. But uh, probably because it makes me sad, and this guy's a very sad boy. Conor Oberst of uh, Bright Eyes fame has released a new mm, released a new song, not a single. Yeah, he released a new single. Uh, God, I don't have it on my screen just yet, and I'm I bring this up because I. <laughs> used to be a big bright eyes fan and i still like the older records but the newer stuff most of the stuff since i'm wide awake it's morning i haven't been into uh however this this new song that he's released flirted with you all my life very sad boy-esque but he lays down some beautiful steel guitars it's very americana in that sense definitely worth checking out i can see right now it's pretty popular it's got over a hundred thousand listens i would definitely go check it out if you were a fan of bright eyes back in the day or like their music now uh there's no album i just remembered uh igloo ghost is coming in with an album here in april uh, early april uh, sounds of the unborn which is a if you've never heard of igloo ghost i'm not sure if you're familiar zach um they're kind of like a apex twin-esque uh, uh instrumental electronic outfit drum and bass uh, really interesting uh, comp- composition. They released two EPs there, I think, a year or a year and a half ago that were really good and well-received. And I think this might be a, a full album. It looks like there's 10 tracks here. It might be another EP, but it looks like uh-huh. a full full track list. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm looking at track list. I don't know if these are the, uh, the names of the songs concretely, <laughs> but right now the first song is called V5. The second song is called V4.3 Part 2. The third song is called V2.1. And, <laughs> it, and it just goes down this thing of like 3.2, 4. 4.2, 4.1, 1, 3.1, and 4.3. Oh, yeah. Part one. <laughs> it's just like, okay. If technology keeps on going the way it's going, we'll all be speaking like that in 100 or 200 years anyways. Yeah, so I think I, I, I kind of want this to be the track titles. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, it's cute. I like it. Yeah, it's a little bit hard to distinguish between though, isn't it? Hey, dude, have you know. checked out B.2 slash 3.1? What was the name he... Uh, what's his name? The Elon Musk. What did he name his kid? Xavier, but with like X212 upside down. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> He used fucking letters of the some weird alphabet that you can't even pronounce. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was funny. I think they made him change it, and he changed it to something even weirder. Uh, <laughs> Which, I mean, like, that's not really fair to your kid, you know? Most <laughs> people hate the name that they're given, but, I mean, he just went overboard with it. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, all right, well, that's kind of all we wanted to really uh, do today. Put a bonus episode, highlight some of these tracks, and... And maybe you'll listen to it a little more casual. Um, gonna edit this very much and just put it out to the world. And uh, maybe you guys will like it and we'll do a little more of it. It was fun, actually. I enjoyed it. We'll have to do it again. Absolutely. All right, until, uh, well, we should be releasing our regular schedule. So you'll get to hear me talk about Cloud Nothings on probably Friday. Whether that's a good thing or bad thing, you'll find out. Have you listened to that record yet, by the way? Oh, I have. Oh, okay, I have. can you give us any sort of hint at how you're feeling about it? I have not listened to one track. I can't, I can't give you a hint. I can't. 
up with comments on this album. I'll tell you that. I have I have a lot to say. Uh, okay. Well, the, you're the gonna all, you're you hear it all. Okay. Yeah, you, you can, you can translate to... everything <laughs> from my tone of voice. But I got a lot to say about this album. I'll tell you that much. Okay. Yeah, well, um, you'll be taking the helm on that one. <laughs> All right. See you guys.